Hi, John. Oh, hi, Merlin. Hi, how's it going? Oh, good. Would you like to initiate a video chat? Uh, uh, I know. Uh, I know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we had done this show all these years on video? Well, I'll do it if you will. All, all these years? All the, <laughs> it's going to take a while. <laughs> oh, no. I hadn't thought of that. We're on what? What is this? This is 366. Oh, my God. That's going to take so Three. long. 366 episodes going back and doing it on video. Listen, listeners, we're going to need a lot of help on this. Um, mm. I guess we're going to need transcripts and we're going to need to go mm. back <laughs> and re-listen to each show. Cause I know you listened to each show a couple times, probably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the only way to really improve. Um, and then that's, we, it's, it's going to be a real Borges <laughs> type situation. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to go back, I think, and look at our uh, at our photos and try and duplicate our appearance oh, uh, during man. all the different phases of Merlin and John that they're oh, I'm going to need so much help with hair and makeup. Yeah, me too. Um, and a lot now of shoe oh, polish in my beard. Okay, but here's the question. To be forward looking about this, videos in the past, man. People pivoted oh. to video a long time ago. If we're going to make this for posterity and have it be something that your daughter can listen to in, you know, two two to forty years, sure. how do we make it forward compatible with technologies that would be satisfying to a person in the future? Is video I mean, going to be seen as do, table stakes? You know what I mean? Is it is it VR? Should we do? Should we be doing this in uh, in first person? Uh, for first like person to, VR. <clears throat> it could yeah. be v, it could be VR. Um, I mean, three D so people. To, yeah, you, you could choose to be Merlin or be John, like just sit and. Oh, you're look saying at like choose, choose your fighter. You come in, yeah, and you right. pick, and then you, you can upgrade with a uh, rotter coin to get like a yeah, nicer right. hat. <laughs> right, like <laughs> body blow, body blow, body blow, <laughs> knock them out. <laughs> Have you played a video game since the eighties? <laughs> <laughs> Combination. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We could. I guess we could do it. I mean, it would. It would be. Um, it would be fun. How about this? How about we do one very special episode where we uh, we just uh, recreate an episode. A very special episode where we recreate an episode. Why can't people just make animatics? The McElroys people make animatics. They take a dump and somebody makes an animatic of it. What? Who do we have to blow to get an animatic of our of our very funny bits? What's an animatic? An animatic is when, uh, so in the industry, I think an animatic is a, um, a fairly, um, raw and, uh, it's basically, here's what this will look like with very slight motion and will eventually animate the whole thing. It's almost like storyboards Uh for, uh, animation. Um, and then, uh, but no, you can take a funny bit and then, then you can animate it and, uh, it's fun. Uh-huh. You've probably seen these for the people who made it for Dear Evan Hansen. I know you're a fan of that. You know, that's yeah. out there. Yep. Sure. A lot of Hamilton animatics. Well, so, so here I have a, I have a transcript here of our first episode. <clears throat> oh, okay. Are you um, on the site? Uh, well, should I, do, can you pull that up too? Uh, is it the, uh, underscore David Smith? site i'm not sure no i have it here on my desktop because i don't understand about sites okay all right all right um Um, is there a way you could send it to me oh yeah yeah hang on let's see well you know here it's a pages file oh boy i'm gonna go up to share oh boy okay should i share a link during iCloud? no i don't want to do that here i'll send it to you in messages yeah that'll work Send a copy via messages as a pages or a P. No, you don't want it as a PDF. Pages is you fine. Don't want it. Pages is fine. Okay, here we go. Next. Clicking on next. Okay, clicking. 
that the machine is thinking. Okay, it brought up a messages box. Okay, here we go. Melrin. Mm-hmm. Melrin man. And, okay, sent. All right, so this should work here. Episode one. Down and down, down and down, down and down, down and down, down and down. Okay, is it there? Yeah. Okay, intro music. That that happens. Just really lean into it. Really lean into it. Okay, okay, here we go. Hello? Hi, how are you? Hello, Merlin. I'm late again. It's all right. I'm usually late to everything, so this is my just desserts. Are you? You don't seem like a late person. It's not that I'm late. It's that it's that I don't get there on time. Okay. And that's because I don't leave the house with enough time to get where I'm going. And I don't think that's the same as being late. I think that's, I think that is a, that is a question that has more to do with how you perceive space and time. So it's more of a science problem. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the thing I was in order for you to be late, you would have to have some interest in other people. I think on some level, <coughs> What would that be like? Okay. All right. I think people are going to get the gist. Right. We could do that. We could, we could go back and, and do all of our but shows But John, would again. we be virtual while we're doing it? Would we be in some kind yeah. of a, a holodeck? Would, would like you're wearing like a sombrero and I have a Sherlock Holmes hat? How would we do it? Would we both be data? No, I think that people could choose our outfits. What if we were I both mean, data? Think, <laughs> what if we both were Travis McElroy? <laughs> I want to play uh-huh. Roderick on the line with where we're both. Travis <laughs> let me hit Mackle. you. Let me hit you with this. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but when w- you pick your, <laughs> when you choose your fighter, yeah. you could be. So you could be Jesse Thorne. Um, right. you know, uh, you could be my the, friend Jen. You you could play as any podcaster in the system. Right, but the only thing that so on the so one version of this. The thing that would remain constant is the transcript. So you would be playing Jesse Thorne as you, but he would have to conform to the words of the of the yes, original the words, episode. But as you know, John, you've walked literally across Europe. The map is not the territory. That is right. the map. But then the territory is your the the uh, you inhabit the character of Jesse, and you get yeah. you get hit points and various uh, abilities. I guess you'd have to well, roll a Jesse. Is this this is the this is the third question? Is when the UIs get big, get get bulky enough when mm-hmm. it's uh, when when all these AIs become UIs, mm. right? When your AIs when get your to AIs be become UIs, it's gonna make it's gonna make the fifties <laughs> look like the twenties. Okay, um, um, but if you did that, could you play Roderick on the line with Travis McElroy and like uh, Scott Simpson? Mm-hmm. But where they were talking like themselves, I think that's the only way still... this really works. Otherwise, you're just doing a doing a kind of a puppet show. And this is much more. There's much. This would be much more sophisticated. I think it would. It would but have if... all of their 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 personal problems and baggage, and they're right. walking the territory of the map that has been already uh, drawn. Right. Yeah. Now, mm. could it branch off in other ways, or do they have? It to? would have to. Yeah. It would have to because how you know you're going to get to that, and Jesse Thorne's going to be like, I'm never late. Well, or it's whatever. like they and said, then he like takes umbrage at it. Yeah. Oh God, he's so angry. And then, then Travis yeah. is like, "Whoa, he's really, you know, no virtual signaling all over. It's not going to be the same." Yeah. <laughs> well, he'd definitely be interrupting Justin. And then, and then I think also, okay. So then here's the thing. This is what Damon Lindelof said about his Watchmen TV series: is he didn't yeah. want it to be a cover band. 
right? He wanted to take the existing stuff and then do something very different. I personally think he succeeded. I think that's yeah. a good guiding principle for us here. Ditto for his TV show, The Leftovers, which departs greatly from the novel. So what I'm saying here is that this is going to break the timeline in the most creative of ways. And now we're creating new product. And yes, we own all of the IP. Mm, yes, we, but do you think you could do you could think we, you could do we cast, license do we license the podcasters and their likeness? Could you cast this show using young people where where they were not doing canonical, they were not like doing puppet shows of us, imitations of Merlin and John. They were like inhabiting it, living the roles. Right. And it was a new thing, but but somehow like you your Dark Vader and right. and my uh you know like um, Lucy Skywalker or whatever are still mm. intact somehow. Okay. okay, so it's a little bit, I'm thinking sort of like um, Bugsy Malone. Bugsy Malone. Yeah, it could have music in it. Um, but but sure. right, you're, sure. you're, cast, you're recasting sure. it, you're doing a reboot of down, Roderick on the down, Line. Down, with, down, it's down, gonna have, down. Keep going. Down, you're talking about down, that fellow down, playing piano down, at the end of the pie fight? Down. It could have been anything that you wanted Budweiser's king, the king is a number one. It's basically the Budweiser song. With all, with all respect to Paul Williams. All respect to Paul Williams. I have a, a really low resolution copy of that movie I found, and I only ever watch the end. I've shown it to my daughter twice, and she finds it extremely confusing. She finds it extremely what? Confusing. I mean, as you yeah, do. Yeah, well, it's you know? very confusing. Yeah. So I had a group of, uh, I have a group of little girls over here yesterday, mm. and they were like, can we watch a movie? Can we watch a movie? Did you your know, daughter know? Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, she was the ringleader. It wasn't, it, it was a group of actual little girls. Well, um, I'm not sure that makes it better, and, but okay. <laughs> and uh, How many are we talking we about? Two or three? And I'm, Two I'm th- sitting, no, we're, we, got, we had five little girls. Oh, boy. And uh, between the ages of uh, eight and nine. And they were entertaining themselves quite well. And then eventually we reached a point where it was like, everybody's mm-hmm. tired now. They're walking around with unopened go-gurts. The parents are like, oh, this has been a great play date. But somehow we're, we're pot committed to going all the way to bedtime now. Mm-hmm. And can we watch a movie? Can we watch a movie? And I, and I, looked, at the, I looked at the other mom mm-hmm. and I said, and the, and, the, and the other parents are also um, Gen Xers. They're not, uh, they're not millenniums. Like a lot of parents of kids our age, they are mm-hmm. uh, Gen X parents, late parents, and they uh, they uh, sort of pride themselves on Gen X references. You know, they're like they're they're cool parents. They like to you know, like yesterday somebody said something and the other mom was like, "Warriors come out to play." Wow. You know, like Hot. like deep deep cuts, right? Yep, yep, yep She's yep. throwing that stuff in there all the time. And so I looked across the table and I was like, "Bad news bears, bad news bears." <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay and the, and it's one of those ones is, like ghostbusters you remember loving and thinking this is an appropriate kids movie. <laughs> well and so she says she says there's a lot uh, that we're gonna have to there's a lot of front selling of this we're gonna have to do where yeah. we say listen sweeties there's a lot of like sexism racism yeah bad wording drinking so serves, he has a convertible automobile full of budweiser cans yeah, he drives yeah. around and drinks and swears and calls kids names that and kids call each other names. Yeah, we don't say those words anymore. <laughs> we don't say those words anymore. And so, but I was like, look, you know, this is what we watched when we were eight. I mean, we literally watched this movie when we were eight. Yeah. So these kids are eight and nine. Like, what do you guys say? Just put, let's just put it on. Let's just 
fucking, you know, guns in the air. And, uh, clear, and these are these are eight to nine year old girls eight to in two thousand girls in two thousand nineteen in two thousand nineteen and we because you know I'll tell you one thing about bad news bears yeah. strong female lead very strong very strong one, and, one, one uh, time somebody so, asked her what she's looking for in a guy and she made her face it was really funny mm, mm-hmm. and and we, uh, and to, to my mind uh, speaking of Watchmen I believe that's the first movie I remember with Jackie Earl Haley oh that's right Jackie Earl Haley's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haley Joe Osmond mm. isn't there, but would have been if it was rebooted. If it yeah. was rebooted now and the coach was Melissa McCarthy and she oh, wasn't drunk and nobody swore. Okay. I'd go watch that movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She's, she's that great. Never, she elevates everything she's in. She really does. But, uh, but so it goes around the table. The parents are all like, ha ha, we should, we totally should. And then we all settled on it on like them watching Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch the they, movie? No, Brady Bunch. Just Brady Bunch, up, the TV show from the 60s up, and 70s. Straight up 1969 episodes of Brady Bunch. And, uh, you know, they, they, they're they soaking it up. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's a thing where the, the, the trials and tribulations of those kids, uh, the Brady Bunch kids, they just, they transmit through time. People can really relate to what, to what Jan was going through, to mm-hmm. what Peter was going through. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, and Jan and Peter are kind of the ones that are right there in the, the uh, like, eight to nine-year-olds identify with their problems. Oh, God, 100%. I think they are easily, well, obviously, Jan. and But then second place would be Peter in terms of, well, and Alice. Uh, no, what's her name? Alice? No. What's uh, Alice, right? Uh, well, Alice, sure. Alice so, number, is always... So in terms of, like, empathy from the audience, far and away, number one, Jan, number two, Peter, number three, Alice. And the thing about Alice that you don't remember, I don't think, Mm -hmm. you probably don't remember, is that uh, she does a lot of physical comedy, and she is the butt of almost every single joke. She's a good sport. She she slips on every banana peel. Yeah, yeah. She, you know, hits her head every single time. They they generally treat her terribly. She always wears that same outfit, and I think that door, um, as we look at the kitchen, there's a door in the back right. And I think that's that's the single tiny room that she lives in. <laughs> I think she lives in basically a large broom closet, <laughs> right? I mean, isn't there like you see her coming in and out of that door? I don't think that's a pantry. I think that's no. where Alice lives. That's where she lives. <laughs> Alice B. Davis. So, um, so Anne Anne B. Davis. Oh, Anne B. Davis as Alice. She's Anne, in the middle square. So Anne B. Davis was uh, she was born in 1926, which means in 1969. Nice. She was. What? Oh, I know, right? 1969, when this show was she, uh, was on, she yeah. was, yeah, what is she, 45? Huh, that's a handsome woman. Uh, 44? Yep. Yeah. But she was playing, you know, she was playing as though she was like old, spinster. Mm-hmm. Uh, she refers to herself as fat all the time. What? Yeah, she's like, oh, you know, she's always talking about her weight. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot about the Alice character that leaves one with more questions than uh, answers. Anyway, well, when they blended uh, the family, uh, remind me, she came from the Mike Brady side, side, right? Yeah, his side. Mr. Brady, she says it and with a lot of... And that's the Brady... Of, okay, so I'm sorry, I'm forgetting something that's hiding in plain sight. Uh, Mr. Brady's an architect. He's the one yes. who designed the Wackadoo house that they live in right. with the odd sculpture on the side table, if memory serves. And, uh, and so then when they blended the families, and it's a very awkward first episode, if memory serves... Yeah, the very first episode. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd start there, um, but is that right? So, so they basically the uh, I forgive me, I don't remember Carol's uh, name from her surname, but right, no, Car- the Carol family, mentioned. the four of them come. I think even Tiger 
is part of the Brady household. The craziest thing now, looking back at the show, is mm-hmm. that Greg and Marsha are fully, what, 15? Mm-hmm. But somehow they are super fine with just calling the other, the new spouse, mom and dad. Mm. Like, hey, mom. And I just can't imagine even in 1969 or in 49 or in 1910 mm-hmm. that a 15-year-old would would do that with without effort. You know, just be like, hey, mom. And, we, you know, it just seems like, whoa, that's really asking a lot. You think they would have pushed back a little bit on the, well, I mean, like, God, I have so much to say about this, oddly enough. But but one thing is, um, okay, let me get one thing out of the way. There's a thing that TV shows did, and this is a very famous thing that happened, is that at a time when there's always been this fight, ever since TV came along, there's been this tension between TV and movies. And that was evidenced in the 50s by things like, okay, well, we're losing market share, people are staying at home watching TV, so let's create experiences you can only have in the movie theater, you get Cinerama or whatever. And then I think in the post-Kennedy era, it became about social relevance. So you had to okay. create something that was socially relevant, but it had to operate within the perceived mores of very middle America. Okay, so the classic yeah. example of this is when they wrote The Wonderful Mary Tyler Moore Show. In the original version of The Wonderful Mary Tyler Moore Show, Mary was supposed to be divorced. But it was decided, I know everybody knows this, but it was decided that, no, we can't do that because why? What other than the Mary Tyler Moore show, what's the most famous thing that Mary Tyler Moore was on up to that point? The Dick Van Dyke show. And so for America watching CBS shows, what does it mean if Mary Tyler Moore is divorced? Yes, right. People would read into it because that's mostly what they know from that and the Bob Cummings show. But anyway, uh, that uh, the people would think that, so they had to make her a widow. Oh, widow. No, wait, sorry. Mary Tyler Moore, broken off engagement. Uh, Brady Bunch, right, right, right. both widowed. So oh, they were widowed. So they're trying to died, ad- the kids. Yeah, you're trying to address the issue of what we used to uh, uncharitably call broken families, yeah, but you yeah, can't right. talk about divorce, not until like a one day at a time, right? Yeah, oof. Oh, Don't boy, you think she kind had of the, work cut out for her. Yeah, so, but now point number one, to return to your question, so mm. yeah, so, oh, hey, I'm 15, um, my mom and or dad is dead, these two dead. decide to hook up, and now I got yeah. a new mom, and I got to call her oh, mom? New mom and three new siblings, and we're all living in the and house tiger. that apparently we were living in already, right? <sighs> Mike made, built that house himself, and they were living there before? He's got, he's got his own office. Room. He's got his own office with a table in there. I don't think I don't think Carol yeah. did anything like that. So these four gals just straight up move in on him. Yeah. And we're like and we're left with like, hey mom, dad, and there's sort of there's parody between the two worlds, but there's not parody there. These girls would have been moving into rooms that were formerly full of ping pong tables. Holy or crap, right? you're right. There would have been probably ski ball in those rooms. He's obviously yeah. very wealthy and gay. And and yeah. then and so and so you move these girls in, talk about privilege. Jiminy Christmas! It would uh, it would have been a really different scene than the one that we were that we were that well, that we were given in that first episode. Were all three you girls know, people, in this? All three girls and all three boys were each in the same room. If memory serves, boys over here, girls over there. Yes, with a shared bathroom in between. And I think that that means that Greg probably had the girls' room to himself. He had to and share, then was, and then he had to share a bathroom with a six-year-old girl. Yeah, he's bumped 
first of all, back to living with his two brothers where he's like, what? I'm a freaking teenager. I'm about right. to learn to drive. Yeah. And then he's got all this and, you know, like. Well, and the, he's probably the, exploring his changing body. You know, sure, they're the over on the bunk beds. between him and, and, and Marcia. I mean, yeah. uh, this has got to have been I mean, they're fixed. siblings, but not really. Not really at all. But look at that. They're all, pa- listen, John, this is 1969. They're paired. Yeah. Uh, they're basically. Yeah. The, yeah. the implication is they're paired yeah. up. They each have an equivalent. They have a, yep. they each have an, you know, uh, yep. yeah. Everybody's in mini skirts and really tight shirts. Oh my goodness. Those trousers. It's a weird, it's a weird time. But at, to your point, yeah. we did live a lot of the social changes of the sixties and seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about our generation, yeah. yours and mine. Yeah. We lived those transitions through television Mm-hmm. And television, like way behind the actual social curve, uh, was kind of running this stuff out. I, wa- I watched with my daughter the uh, the premiere episode of Eight is Enough. Mm-hmm. I was like, let's watch Eight is Enough. And we're talking circa, mm-hmm. what, 77, 78 probably? 76. Okay, wow. Because, okay. because uh, the... The oldest son in the debut episode of Eight is Enough is played by Mark Hamill. And what? this is pre-Star Wars Mark Hamill. And you he's sure about in that? The, he I just watched it. And he's in the pilot, and then he gets cast in Star Wars, and he goes to the producers and he's like, Can you let me out of my contract? Because I have this movie. Mm-hmm. And the producers are like, you know what, kid? Sure. Good luck to you. And they recast the sun because the the series gets picked up after the pilot. Right. And then and, it was Grant. What's his name? Is he, does he become the oldest yeah, son? Yeah. The oldest son with he the curly looks, hair. He looks and, 32. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hamill. Look I at don't how, know how handsome was, Mark Hamill was. Look at that yeah. guy. And he really, he plays a great role in the show. But like the debut episode, the pilot episode of Eight is Enough, like one of the daughters gets arrested for possession what? of pot. Was it, it wasn't Abby. Who was it? Uh, it was, I don't remember their names. But All of these the, people look so much one. older than their age. This is bananas. Yeah. Wow. And, so it started uh, out pretty intense is what you're saying. Yeah. And Mark Hamill moves out of the house on, in like episode one, he's like, dad, you know what, man? Like I'm a grown up now. And, and dad's like, uh, Dick Van Patten's like, Hey, and Dick Van Patten is like fully like on cocaine, mm. he's just like he's <laughs> raging, and there's a there's a kid. I, I mean, implied. Oh, he's just tweaking, <laughs> and then they hire an architect uh-huh. to, but but Dick Van Patten can't afford it, and so he goes to a guy and he's got like, so "Hey, many man, fucking kids!" It does. He's like, "Eight is too I many. Can't, I can't afford it." And the architect is like, "Are you reneging on our deal?" And Dick Van Patten is like, no, man, I'm trying to pay you here. I just have to do it in installments. And then the architect looks off to the side and he he says, my son is dying of cancer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, come on, John. And so, uh, you know, uh, my little girl and I are watching this and I'm just like, are you okay, sweetie? And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's a lot going on. Um, (laughs) But, I, you know, we were watching this in real time as kids. I was eight years old exactly when that episode came out. Yeah. And this was what TV was like laying out for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this kind of, and it was, it's a dramedy, right? Because they're going yeah. for laughs throughout the whole thing. But is it's there a like, laugh track? Oh, is there a laugh track on it? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. There's, there's uh, a lot of flag football mm-hmm. in it. 
Yeah, I'm um, seeing that. Well, I'm seeing. I feel like I remember her name being Abby. Abby could easily be these kids' aunt or mm-hmm. aunt, as you say. And I do see I some flag I, football on the field. It looks like. Uh, looks like uh, Nick, uh, not Nicholas Hammond. Who's a little boy? Uh, Adam. Adam. Adam Helmethead. Adam, Adam West. Adam. Adam. Adam West is wearing. It looks like a maybe a Forty ers helmet. <laughs> how, how did they explain, John? If I could ask, I'm sorry, I don't want to make this the whole show unless you do. No, but the, course, the, the course how do they explain? They have to keep. They've already committed. They're pot committed to eight. Eight right? is enough. So, like, if yes. after the first episode, it's now seven's not enough. That they're going to have to change a lot of letterhead. How do they explain? Mark Hamill moves out, and Grant Grant, forty years old, moves in. Who? How, I just. What we didn't do is watch the first episode of the series. Okay. We watched the pilot, and we were like, "Whoa!" And then when um, when my daughter recognized that Luke Skywalker was in it, mm-hmm. and I said, and I did a quick like, "What am I seeing here?" And I said to her, "Well, he left after this first show, and his character becomes a, a different. His character is a different actor going forward." Oh, they do and a also Roseanne. They, they basically do a yeah. do a swap out. And they switch a couple of other daughters too. They were like, ah, this mm-hmm. girl, this daughter didn't test as well. Let's find a different daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, and my little girl was like, well, I don't want to watch it if it doesn't have Luke Skywalker in it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can't argue with that. And also, I'm not sure I'm ready to watch a show with her where it's like, oh, the third daughter's a junkie now, and somebody else is like, I, you know, it was like to adult themes, adult themes. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want them watching. Well, little I, I really, I don't remember this show being like that. Did it? Do you, well, you wouldn't know. You only watched the one. I wonder if it becomes tamer. I think it must. Yeah, it must. But like as you were saying uh, about uh, one day at a time, you know, I identified with one day at a time because I was living with a divorced mom. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a kindly super mm-hmm. who just let himself, himself in into our apartment all the time uh, <laughs> and had a cool mustache, you know. And we like, don't talk about that know. enough. How Schneider had that big ring of keys and he would just come in the house whenever he felt like it, where three yeah, women lived. Like, Lenny and Squiggy, like, hello. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Health IQ. You can learn more about Health IQ right now by visiting healthiq.com slash. Super train. Hey, hey, you know what? Do this, do this for me, uh, Chief. Go over there and look in the mirror, right? You look pretty good, right? You're doing everything right for your health today, but if you're not planning for the what-ifs of tomorrow, then it's time that you do. The problem is, historically, and rather ironically, the health conscious have overpaid and subsidized those who are less health conscious. So it's not a conspiracy. It's just how life insurance works. So right now, they are introducing Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates for people like you on their life insurance. So if you're a runner or a cyclist, if you're into CrossFit or another type of athlete, uh, even a committed weekend warrior, maybe you're vegetarian or vegan, then you deserve to be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates. Health IQ can save you up to 41%, because that's a very specific number, up to 41% because physically active people have significantly lower risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. That's a feather in your cap. And listen, here's the thing. Health IQ is not just a lead generator. They take the customer through the entire process of applying. The policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners. But these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else. And you must qualify to get a special rate. To see if you qualify, you go to healthiq.com slash supertrain and take their proprietary health IQ quiz. Mm-hmm. Depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums. 
compared to other providers. Once again, that's healthiq.com slash supertrain. And to let them know we sent you, you know, go check them out. Yeah, Start the process with their Health IQ quiz. No commitment. And you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. Say it thrice and it's almost like praying. It's healthiq.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Health IQ for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. There was a lot of that in our childhood, right? People coming into sitcom sets <laughs> yes. where they just walked into someone yes. else's apartment. Years later, that would be uh, that would be Kramer. Right. Oh, that's right. Hello. And it's like, what? We don't. um, (laughs) I love. We don't see that in real life. If somebody from across the street like just walked into my house, I would be like, you'd be be posted on next door in a a New York minute. Say some guy can find himself in my apartment. Be like, hey, moonwalk back out of here and ring the doorbell. Yeah. And and my doorbell's broken. So now what are you going to do? Now what are you going to do? Moonwalk back over to your house is what you're going to (sighs) do. Think. Think. Just go over there and think about your life. But, uh, but yeah, I yeah. mean, I feel like a lot of the things, like I got a copy of my body, myself or whatever. Some, my, my mom gave me a copy of like, here's a book where there are pen and ink drawings of oh, naked people God, with yes. a lot of body hair I know. and they're having all, they're having different sex, 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 like diagrams and yeah. Like here's yeah. what happens when two people love each other very much or whatever. Yeah. And I just, I, the book was toxic to me. I didn't want to even touch it oh, with God, my hands. No. It felt like, well, it especially knowing like, it came from your parents. I got one. We gave uh, my daughter one. We, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, but yeah, yeah, knowing, but like, so, okay, quick question. Did she hand it to you first person or did she yes. leave it where you could find it? Well, you know, I've told you the story, I think, that my mom put, my mom bought a Playboy and a Playgirl. This is in 70, what year was the Burt Reynolds Playgirl? I'm going to say Burt circa 75, Reynolds 76, probably. Reynolds Playgirl was, I think you're right, um... Oh, he was in Cosmopolitan. Oh, okay, that's it. But I remember he was real hairy. He was hairy. Yeah. He was in Cosmopolitan in 72, but I oh, think okay. there was a, a th- well, anyway, she bought a copy of Playgirl and a copy of Playboy. Mm. Burt Reynolds wasn't in Playgirl, in, or he was on the cover in 81, but that was way later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Oh, and she tucked them into the bookshelf mm. between... <clears throat> The encyclopedia, between um, encyclopedia, or she tried, as, as though a, it had been brought to you by the porn fairy, by the gods, right? And mm-hmm. and she knew that I knew every book in the bookshelf, and I was there all the time, and I was sat, I would sit on the floor. Did you see near near I, the encyclopedias? Yeah. Oh well, shit, dog. And, she, she knows yeah, you're going right. to find that. That's right, and Ugh. and it, I think the bottom two or maybe the bottom three shelves of the big bookshelf were were the ones that I would like sit on the floor and I, and these were the books that I would interact with. Mm -hmm. And so I found them of course. And I pulled this thing out and I was like, what, you know, and we've talked about it. We've, we've shared that anecdote, but, but uh, when she put the book with the, with the pen and ink drawings of the, of the body hair people having uh, intercourse with one another, um, that was a little bit later I was probably, I mean, I had, she introduced me to porn first, but it was like, it was like, here's naked people. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, oh, right, naked people. And then here, and here's, here, here's the real damage that naked people can do. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to see it. No, 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 no. But there wasn't follow-up. There was that class in seventh grade where they took the girls away to a different class. They don't and do they that had anymore. The they do it all in the same room now. I was uh-huh. shocked. 
I was shocked. Oh, my my daughter gave me a play by play of when they did this in fifth grade, and all the girls apparently were very mature about it, and all the boys were literally scribbling on the workbook to cover the ding dongs. Yeah, right. I mean, the boy. If it if that had happened to me, I would have been hiding under the table and making fart sounds. No, it would have been <laughs> cafetorium seppuku. Gone, done, out. <laughs> because, because even in the room where it was just boys, yeah, we were climbing the walls to get out of there. I mean, they had to lock the door, and they're like, "Listen, not you're least because learn. you know you have a tiny little dingus that's nowhere near the illustration. It seems very unreasonable. It might as well be fucking John Holmes." Like, and, oh and my the, God, look at the dongs on these guys. And the girls are like, oh, you know, uh, it's like my the buds. But the boys are like, ah, am I gay? I'm looking at around, a wiener. I'm looking at a wiener and it's huge and it's mine so tiny. It's like a little acorn. As you walk around seventh and eighth grade, the girls are already tormenting you with their womanhood. They have and so much like, power, so much power. And they're just beating you into submission with every look and every like every little wave of their hand dismissing you as children. And you are children. Did I tell you that the time that a girl looked across the lunch table at me and said, a milk mustache doesn't make you a man, John? Whoa! A milk mustache somebody, doesn't that, make somebody you like a Somebody like a Patton Oswalt wrote that for her. That's a and, very and, good line. And then she and the six girls on that side of the table stood up and walked out, at leaving me standing there. They and didn't my friend just Kevin, cackle. They actually walked yeah. away. It was just like, it was, and that was before even Mike Trop existed, but it yeah. was just, and she was responding to some like, I mean, she, it wasn't out of nowhere. Yeah. I had been, I'd been like, some, <laughs> some comment. And she just did that. And, and, you know, my friend Kevin stopped playing brick breaker on his digital watch and looked over at me and was oh, just man. like, well, you're done. I mean, I was done. I yes. was done for a year. I was yeah. cooked by that remark. And you know, and she was right. Like I didn't grow a mustache till I was 24. <laughs> Even but, though it's very blonde. But <laughs> you think a scallop. I still I look like a scallop with a bunch of hair on it. Not even a bunch of hair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, John. Here's here's part of the problem. Okay, a couple problems. One thing is like what you're describing with that aid is enough. They're shoveling way too much what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, relevance. Right. Mm, too much relevance. Too much relevance. Got the like, pot, got the cancer. Well, coming straight I mean, out of the gate with all that relevance is a bit too much. And the other problem that I think I might just be repeating what you said is that necessarily, especially for a network TV show, um, you're necessarily okay. Here we go. Let's bring it all together. Mash. Mash. Okay. Mash yes. is a movie and TV series about Vietnam except insofar as no way could that be about Vietnam. It had to be yeah. about Korea, right? So sure. it had to take place in Korea, even though it really was. I mean, again, it's something everybody knows, but if people know what MASH is, is that that was, you know, obviously it came out when uh, the Robert Altman movie came out. That was, his, you know, the, the novel comes out, and it's relevant because it's in the middle of this bloodbath of Vietnam that we can't get out of, and then MASH but the, the TV, TV show... show the TV show like doled its relevance out one drop at a time. Oh, like by, the, by the fourth or fifth season, yeah, it, it had really run out of ideas. Everybody got to direct an episode. It all yeah. became a little bit too Alan Alda. Yeah, but that stuff, a lot of that stuff was just like, I mean, it was toned down. But the, the things like, did you see the movie Little Darlings? Yeah, when it came out in 1980, that was one of those movies like little, like Little Foxes or mm, like a Little, little Romance. Foxes. Oh my God, they all had Little in the name. 
Well, wait, did foxes have... Wait, uh, are you talking about no. the one with the girl I, from Eight is Enough, right? Well, the, the little darlings had Tatum O'Neill... Uh, from uh, from Bad News Bears, little fox. Oh, wait, little foxes is never mind. Little foxes is never mind. Little foxes, I think, is with Betty Davis. <laughs> little darlings. <laughs> okay, so no, but anyway, foxes also came out in 1980, and it had Jodie Foster and Scott Baio. Okay, so, so am I remembering jo- that right? Well, we so we have we have uh, little- here. So here's 1980. Okay. I'm t- no, it's just foxes. In oh, 1980, foxes. I'm I'm 12 years old. And here and and on one in one movie, you've got Jodie Foster um, uh, and Scott Bayo exploring their teenage sexuality. Mm-hmm. That's got that actually has a has a uh, cameo in it from Sherry Curry, the lead vocalist of the Runaways, just to give you the the, the pinky Tuscadero angle. That movie what? also has Randy Quaid in it. Whoa. You mean like from the Joan Jett uh, Lita Ford band? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's in there as like the the saucy, I guess. I don't remember these movies very well because I watched them with both hands over my eyes mm-hmm. because because Tatum O'Neill and Christy McNichol are at some summer camp. Yes, and they have a and they make a bet. And these girls are not that much older than us, right? They're no. Christy McNichol is like, like I mean, she was what six years older than me, but she always the tagline played. for little darlings is "Don't let the title fool you." Right, Oof. right. And she's she's what she's born in sixty two. So what is she? 18. I guess she's eighteen. But eighteen she's playing playing, playing younger, yeah, fifteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. And so this movie is about this summer camp where they're like, let's lose our virginity. Who's going to get the sweet D first? And I'm watching it like, where is the way? I don't want to. Well, let's can we tease out a fact here. It's a fact that will become very important for me in a moment. Now, did you go see this with your mom? I think at this point, so she made a, she drew a line in the sand at Animal House. Mm -hmm. She went to see Animal House by herself in order to screen it to see if I could go see it. Okay. Okay. And she came away from the theater because it had John Belushi in it. Sure, he's funny. And I was like, I mm-hmm. want to see it. I want to see Animal House. And she came home and she was like, you're not seeing Animal House. And I, w- I didn't understand why. Why, why, why? It's got, you know, it's the funny show. Yeah. And she was like, no, it is. it has grown-up themes. Yeah. And, you, and so she drew the line there. Now, of course, she, we did get to see Jaws that summer, hmm. which traumatized us forever. But by 1980, like Blues Brothers came out, and we went to see that without, with no hesitation. And there's a lot of adult themes in Blues Brothers. So, I'm trying to remember if I saw Little Darling, I don't think a parent went with me. I think I okay. went to the multiple. Did it still make you and, feel um, f- funny feelings? Well, not funny feelings. It made me feel total insecurity because I was so many millions of miles away from losing my virginity at summer camp. Right. Like I was still like, here comes the here comes the guy from Spectre, and GI Joe waits for him over the hill, mm-hmm. and the, the helicopter lands, and then all of a sudden there's a, a fierce firefight. Like, and then you know, and then it's like, oh, these girls that are not much older than me are like, boo, sex. So, and I carried that insecurity, well, again, until I was, what, 29, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had a massive crush on both Jodie Foster and Tatum O'Neill for different reasons. Christy McNichol? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, and Christy McNichol, oh, but no, also Oh, no, they were all, well, you, you, you were a candle shoe man, so. 
that's the triumvirate. Yeah, right? no, I know. hundred percent, hundred percent. Tatum and Christie and Jody. She'd won an that's Oscar, the, you know, it's the Pantheon. Uh-huh. Well, I know. And I didn't even know what that was, but candle shoe, candle shoe. Was that uh, David, N- David Niven, right? Yeah. yeah. All of them tomboys at mm-hmm. the time. And am yes. I right that all three came out as lesbian over the course of their adult lives? Oh, definitely Jody. Um, let's learn about Christine McNichol. I think she did, but Tatum was married Look to how cute she player. was. I, oh my gosh. We started. She is, according to Wikipedia, she's in the category uh, LGBT people from California. So, yes. Yep. Yep. But I'm looking at Tatum. Oh, in 2015, she began dating women. Uh, <gasps> Tatum O'Neill, chose, you say? Yeah, but she chose not to identify herself. Okay. Well, uh, she th- said, she's mislabeled. She's in here as other. LGBT people from California. Tatum O'Neill. Tatum or Tatum? Oh, she is. Well, she might be, you know, you know, playing playing dif- dif- different sides. Yeah. You know, she's bi, which is a group of people that often is is underrepresented. Absolutely, because, absolutely. Because, yeah, people don't people for whatever reason don't accept. That bi is as a so toy. interesting, John. I never put so, all this together. All three of the triumvirate of my earliest uh, girls that I was like them, you know, this is me. This is who I like this. These are the ones. They're mm-hmm. all so like I'm just I'm I'm starstruck. I'm stunned. You know, I had the copy of Dynamite magazine with Christy McNichol in a yeah. frame yeah. on my wall. Oh, I didn't have it in a frame, but I did have it. I big, big fan, wall. big fan. Oh, she had that. She was just so darn cute. And there's something to the tomboy thing. You yes, know? yes, and all three of them gay. Well, how many people do you know who consider themselves uh, out gay people as adults didn't know by the time they were 18 that that was their deal? Like, I, I mean, eventually most people, in my experience anyway, most people after they've come out are like, oh, yeah, I've known since I was four. There are a lot of that, although I have met a few people, and I think the thing is that a lot of people that, I I know a lot of and it's, when I say a lot, I actually mean like a lot more yeah. than a handful of people that had long-term live-in gay relationships and then later on uh, married people of the opposite sex and had children. So this is a okay. phenomenon of the 90s. We, hear, we, we It's fairly commonplace to hear the story of people that are married and have children and then come out later. Absolutely. And – but the opposite is the opposite also happens. Okay, and um, and that's one that's a lot harder for people to I don't know calculate because it doesn't fit. Oh yeah, it doesn't fit. It, it doesn't, doesn't fit, fit the, what, what, if you like binary. Right, it doesn't fit the model. And, and the thing is, they go on like the friends that I've had who have gone on to have straight, committed, children-bearing relationships do not still. At least, as far as I mean, in our heart to hearts, don't identify as bi. Even mm-hmm. they're like, but they don't. They don't disavow the four years they spent in a homosexual relationship. Well, I, there's also this thing where, like, you know, when you're looking in from the outside as a heteronormative person, you think everything you have these. Um, if you're looking at a certain model of gender or sexuality, there's these two columns. Like you're either well, all in this minute, column. But this is also true of gay people when they look at. It too, like the, well, you don't I, hear about it. All I mean is, like, there's oh, more. Sure, this d- is a common story. There's more. All I'm trying to say is, there's more to it than who you want to donk right now. There are a lot of people in committed heterosexual relationships that are that are, for practical purposes, 
well, they just don't touch each other. But that doesn't change the fact that they have a marriage that works and kids in college or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, so, so, you know, uh, you know, you're a writer when you're right. If you stop donking your husband, does that mean you're not straight anymore? Sure. What's the, what's like, well, you've got to have a donk rating. You got to have a, you, mm, well, like if you're Hillary Clinton, you know, I'm just saying. You, you have to have a certain very uh, liber, libertine point of view about, you know, how a marriage operates. None of my business, but I'm with right. you, man. I'm with you, and Like, here, I'm going to add to this a little romance. Now, I did not see, I think I was not allowed to see things like foxes or uh, little darlings, but I did, with my mother, go to see a little romance. Now, as you know about me, John, I have been not horny, but very romantic. I have yep, wanted yep, a girlfriend. A guy. Oh my! Oh no! But see, from, Wait a minute, what's this movie called? Let me. I don't go look up a little romance, nineteen seventy nine. Little romance, same period. Yeah. The thing no. is, who is who is Little Darlings? But I don't mean to deflect you because I'm going no, to go. look at Little Little Romance. No, no, go, go. But who is Little Darling made for? That is a really an adult dis- audience. That's a, such an upsetting question. Do I we want to see a movie where fifteen year old girls are losing their virginity, or fourteen year old girls? Who, if you're okay, a so ask yourself who watches this and says, "Yay." Because I'm betting it's not a lot of moms and dads. And is is it a movie made for 15-year-olds? I mean, I guess it is. I I guess guess that's what it is. It's from that period, though, where there was boobies and drinking and everything, right? So So you're you're, you're – a little romance has Laurence Olivier and Diane Lane. Diane fucking Lane. Okay. Oh, and it had an Academy Award for Best Score. Uh, directed by okay, George Roy Hill, the great George Roy Hill. All I'm saying is this: as somebody who was like a an Aunt ignorant, Lane. longtime romantic, and like just felt this deep, deep. So you felt a certain amount of like shame and exclusion. I felt yearning, not not mm-hmm. the bone down, but like oh my god, I would love to kiss Diane Lane in Paris so much. And I'm sitting oh, there with oh, my mom I watching this her, with my changing body. She was in. She was in. Um, she was in a Dynamite magazine as well. Diane Lane. Diane Lane. I remember oh, that I love face. Diane Lane. Oh well, you know, later on she was in lots of things. She was in Streets of Fire and uh, sure, lots sure, of sure. other things. But anyway, no, there's something. But now, okay, let's pivot. Who is this Long for? Hair. Who is this for? Well, it's certainly not for my little girl at eight years old. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, and but the thing is, I think. I think I owe it to the world to eventually show her bad news bears. I just don't think, and I don't think it's something I show her at 18 and say, this is what they showed me at eight. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know exactly how to, I don't know what role it plays. Right. I mean, yeah. But one thing that's changed. So, 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 I mean, there's a lot that's changed, but like kind of apropos of the, so a while back, I was talking about how when you show something on TV, you want to do something that's, as they say, relevant, but it can't be too out there. Like even in like a fucking Star Wars today, yeah, there'll be people kissing, like two two people of the same gender kissing, like way in the background or whatever. Like, oh yeah, yay, we get a point on the board for being woke. And like, but back then, like if you wanted to talk about, you know, uh, breast cancer or gay people or cancer or um, uh, like whatever it was, like you had to. Or, or assault, like you had to tread very lightly. You're gonna get that mature content warning, 
but you can only go so far and you can't really tell the whole story. Your gay person right. will probably have to die at the end. Like there's not, there's not going to be a happy outcome for that. Now today, the interesting difference is you're not trying to jam all of that relevance into the same thing for everybody. So right. you can have something today. There's so many fewer boobs in movies today and it is, it's, such a blessing. I mean, I'm not afraid of my kids seeing boobs, but like the dumb, like sex stuff that had to be in every movie in the seventies and eighties, you see less of that now. So you can see something right. that's a little bit brainier, gives you a lot to think about because you're not trying to jam in the relevance and titillation for everybody. I think that there are a lot of kids in the movies that we saw that were trying to connect with us by being kids that were latchkey, that, said a lot of swears that were mature before their time. And mm -hmm. that was the, that was characteristic of our era because a lot of kids were unsupervised. You're talking about like the sass sassy other. kids who are smarter than their parents kind of thing. Sassy kids who are smarter than their parents who are smoking pot at age 11, mm -hmm. who are, who, you know, like the kids in, uh, whatever the beasts and the children or whatever that movie was, who like mm -hmm. learned to drive and get shot by the, cops and uh what was that movie called beware the beasts and the children or, oh bl bless the beasts uh, and the children bless the beasts and bless the beasts and the it's got a good carpenter's tune in it mm -hmm. it's got a, gra a great song in it but but uh you know that movie like where the kids stand up to the grown-ups to save a i don't remember what they're saving a is horse it about native americans maybe bless the beasts uh, and the children but it might be about the, the environment uh or something else. Uh, take Billy Jack. You got Billy Jack, where you got all these kids. First of all, you got ass kicking Billy Jack, but then he's protecting the Native American kids who are being um, treated very badly by the townspeople, and so he has to kick lots of people in the face. But the kids right. are not treated well in that at all. Well, here, here's the plot of Beast and the Children. Okay. <clears throat> uh, it's six adolescent boys. Now, this came out in... Billy Mummy's in it. <clears throat> This came out in 71, right. and I saw it, I didn't see it in 71 because I was three, but I saw mm -hmm. it as a, I saw it on television uh, some night where I was unsupervised watching TV with the lights off after the grownups had gone upstairs or something. I was watching this, and it was a, it was the late night movie, and it's, um, <clears throat> let's see, uh, six adolescent boys whose preoccupied parents send them off to the Arizona Box Canyon Boys Camp for the summer. Uh, John Cotton, played by Barry Robbins, leads this bunch of misfits who are all to varying degrees emotionally or psychologically disturbed. Mm -hmm. uh, the group composed of rejects and outcasts is known as the bedwetters. Mm. And the boys are constantly demeaned and ridiculed, which inevitably crushes what little self-esteem they might otherwise have possessed in the first place. Uh, and then uh, I think they're protecting the group, horses, I want to say. Yeah, um, he then right. goes Horses. out, uh, like mm. they're all just totally here. They're <clears throat> Sammy Shecker is an overweight, paranoid Jewish boy. Wasn't, <laughs> and, well, uh, wasn't there one kid who was like, like literally super violent? Yes. And then there was the little kid who barely spoke, who actually wet the bed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was like very, very, he was like phobic and very small, but, but, uh, but, oh, it's the Buffalo. Oh, the Buffalo. They tried to save the Buffalo. Save the Buffalo. And then in the end, uh -huh. spoiler alert. Oh no. Um, uh, there are, uh, 
the some of the boys are shot. Oh, Jiminy. Oh, yeah. Cotton what? dies for the buffalo. Cotton? Played by Cotton Barry Robbins. Dies. Yeah. Um, huh. And whatever. So. Whoa. Uh, and is this a kid's movie? It stars mm. kids. It's all. It has, what it has kids and it's, it has children in the name. But yeah. It's this a, is. It's, it, you live with kids. It's challenging so material. For grownups now. Would they make a movie for grownups that had a cast of nine-year-olds who were saving the buffalo and who are called bed bedwetters and yeah. we, and we get inside their little heads? No, it's a movie about kids that's for kids, but it's it was it it scorched me mm-hmm. like scorched me. I lay in yeah. the dark thinking about the bedwetters for years. Mm-hmm. Um, having that and the and the buffalo plot gradually in my mind just morphed into I don't remember what it morphed into. It was really tied to that song. All well, I have to do is oh, hear that the song. That song is, is chilling, but it's song. also it's just all uh, you, you, even if you don't remember which mammal it was and how it turned out, which what you may remember is that these kids, <laughs> the bedwetters, like yeah. undertook an impossible mission, right? Like a lot of your World War II movies, you like this is a well, and- this is a mission that's not going to end well. And completely unsupervised by neglectful and messed up parents. Yes. And the kids, instead of like a World War II movie movie where it's like the Italian guy, the Jewish guy, the Mm -hmm. guy from Texas. The the black guy guy who runs fast and dies, you know. Uh, This movie was the kid that is super violent, the kid that wets the bed, the kid that is. It's like uh, the Dirty Dozen a little bit. It is. They're all. They're all like misfits. Yeah. And as someone in 1977, when I saw this, who identified as a a basically a bedwetting misfit, (laughs) because I did wet the bed until uh, much later than I than than my friends. Um, I watched this movie and I was like, well, I guess this is me. And then I went to see Little Darlings and was like, well, that's not me. Yeah, but I mean, of, like, it doesn't seem like uh, Jodie Foster's going to roll with the boy who wets the bed. So, so at what point <laughs> You're going to wet your bunk. Oh, no. You got to bone, <laughs> to bone down with Christy McNichol, but you oh, got a giant wet but, spot, and it's not oh, the wet yeah, spot you want. You have, to have, you have to have plastic sheets so you don't oh, ruin the mattress. Oh, no. You have to wear prescription pants. Oh, no. And, I mean, think about and my, You know, I didn't get to go to a lot of slumber parties mm-hmm. when I was eight because it was still or an however, issue because I, it was like well yeah. what if you watch the bed like yeah you can't no go that's, to a it sucks he'll, it sucks he'll yeah. never live it down right and i right. wouldn't have lived it down but like at some point kids entertainment got completely uh i don't want to say neutered but like all of that was taken out of it and it became like a bunch of kids go on an adventure or like well, they're fighting the one i'm looking at right now i'm just gonna throw this out i don't want to dwell on this but like i i this actually came up over uh the weekend i had uh, had a nice family visit with a nice family and a friend who is in the movie industry and uh, we were talking about just all the different things we liked and and um what's appropriate for kids a conversation we often have and i was like like, how do you feel about The Goonies, the 1985 movie, The Goonies? I did how not, do you feel about it? I did not see it at the time, but I, didn't either. I did see it later. And I think I, – what I remember is thinking this is horrifying. Like, this is so full of – like, maybe that's the idea. Maybe it's supposed to be like a, I don't know, Hans Christian Andersen type situation or like a 19th century, uh, you know, Treasure Island kind of thing. But like – Do kids get eaten by witches or something? It's got a lot of really fucked up stuff in it and like it's just a, a grotesquery. And I guess that's the idea. 
but, but like, is it de- is it like get killed stuff or is it there's no sex stuff in a it? A group of no 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 a group of young misfits who call themselves uh, the Goonies discover an yeah. ancient map and set out on a quest to find a legendary pirate's long lost treasure. But this along is in the way, Astoria, Oregon. Yeah, it's got a lot of yeah. wow. Look at these names. Wow, or John Matuzak. Joy Pants. Joy Pants is in it. That's nice. Okay. Um. Anyway, I no, I agree with you. It did neutered. So when did that happen? Ben, I'm going to stand by my theory. I'm going to stand by my theory that over time it became, even with the rise of cable TV, it became more okay to, um, I don't even, I doubt that, I bet this is purely ideological, purely hegemonic, but at some point we didn't need to put everything in everything. Like a neutered, like a neutered version of uh, societal, what's the word? Pro-social values, right? A neutered version of wokeness. Like it, you could make something that was a little bit more out there. Like Harry Hamlin. <laughs> Remember when Harry Hamlin was the gay guy in that TV movie and it was a really big deal? I don't. But like he's, so. they're all so like gentle and like he's kind of gay. But like you know that one was controversial because I think they actually might have had physical contact. But, but like, think th- about us in ninth grade, like like. Yeah, we had Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh my God! Which actually L- last, last had, American Virgin. It had teenage nudity in it. it always uh, Fast eat, Times, Caddyshack, and and stonerism. Well, you get, big but, time like, they, all, they always involve a girl getting pregnant. Last American Virgin, Caddyshack. I th- I'm pretty sure Fast Times. Plus, porkies. Yeah. Oh gosh, you got that hole in the wall. All, you shouldn't have a hole in the, the wall. All the porkies. No, no. But so when did that? Because those were definitely targeted at teenagers. Yes. And then we went. Then it. But it got tamer by the time of sixteen candles and pretty and pink. But all of those themes were still there. No, like, they're still super any... problematic. But I, I totally agree. The for for the time. That, that was a, like, you know me, I'm the one guy who doesn't like Bref- Breakfast Club. But all the other ones, they were pretty brainy as teen movies go at the right. time. Well, because you're, also, you're a- also coming fresh off of slasher movies in the late 70s. After Halloween, there was this huge explosion in Friday the 13th and The Howling and like all, all of the like, you know, uh, American Werewolf, which I really loved. There's all those like slasher horror gore movies comedy though some of them some of them yeah but like basically teenagers boning down and getting killed right. um and it's then, always the ones that are out having sex in a field that get or like whatever that yes they one by one get picked off by you the man will in the be scheme. punished for your sex times for sure right. when did right. it change when did it change i uh how would we even begin to learn well that's the thing i don't know what what teenage movies are like now do they are they still i mean aren't they all superheroes like are there actually just like dumb teenagers who are well, there's Misfits been, you know, I mean, are, I'm just speculating here, but in, in all the times since Harry Potter came out in the late 90s, there has been, a, I believe, a huge resurgence in what came to be called young adult uh, stuff. So I would put into that, obviously, stuff like that, or I guess Percy Jackson, there's the fantastical things. But then, then you remember a few years ago when it was all about werewolf sex, and like you go to your Barnes & Noble... And like, oh, there's a whole section of all vampire sex. Yes, and vampire sex. I didn't even think of that, but of course, yes. that's what it is. Vampires, Werewolves so that, and vampires boning down. You right. know what I'm saying? Because there, that there's something moon. there's something safe about it because it's fan it's fantasy. Or I think something? I might or have they, a photo somewhere here of a of time we went to Barnes and Noble and there was an entire rack. I believe it was called Supernatural Fiction or something like that. And all the covers looked like Twilight, and it was all about werewolf sex. 
Right. And my friend Isaac Marion, who wrote the warm bodies uh, that got made into a movie about a zombie who has feelings mm-hmm. and who gradually falls in love with the he like learns his feelings and the girl saves him and he, he doesn't eat her brain even though he wants to. Oh, that's all he wants. Um, huh. Yeah, it's really it's it's super nice. Um, but mm. but Lost Boys mm. was vampires. That's vampires. Again, I think Corey Feldman was in that one too. He was. That was the that was one of he the was in Goonies and he was in the the, the vampire movie. That all that also had it was a great a great star turn for um for uh, Donald Sutherland's kid. Oh, Donald Sutherland's kid uh, from twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay, but, uh, but that was a transition movie because that did not have it had sex, but it was romantic vampire sex. It mm-hmm. didn't have any. It didn't have any Michael uh, Anthony Hall like selling like, selling uh, panties or whatever. Yeah, no panty selling. It was there wasn't any joke sex. There wasn't any hole in the wall sex. Yeah, the girl in the convertible that was pretty upsetting in that one movie. Um, And but then you also get here's another one is um, the uh, success of Hunger Games led to uh, which I think we have to give credit to uh, Battle Royale, but that's fine. That's my own thing. Anyway, Hunger Games comes along, and then you've got Maze Runner and all those. Is there sex in Hunger Games? There's not. There is. There's no sex in Hunger Games. No, is there? there's like though. There's a lot of privation, you know, and the, the kid leaves out the burnt bread. Um, burnt bread. I mean, it's the, yeah. it, the sex in in Hunger Games is killing. They, they the sex they, is they, killing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But they, like in protecting your family, a theme. And I, I, I always felt like in our in our movies, the 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 sex was killing in a different way. It was killing in the sense that all sex was all sex meant death to me at least very, that is a very french idea john you might be french that is a super french idea you are so french <laughs> oh sacre bleu ah le bon down le petit mort la petite merde la petite merde um, anyway, Corey Feldman was in a lot of things. Oh, Gremlins. Wow, Gremlins. But even like E.T. is a little scary in his way. Gremlins was scary. Right? You're talking there, you're talking 1984. So I, didn't, I guess I saw Gremlins, and I guess I was left unmoved by it because I yeah. did not feel like the Mowgli were that threatening. Uh, really? If you feed him after I midnight. Like, well, that's, but I felt like, oh, uh, you just, just don't that's easy enough. Just don't feed, just don't feed him after midnight. Don't get him wet. It's not that yeah, hard. Well, there it is. There it is. Well, like, don't and give also, your cat, don't give your cat ibuprofen. Don't give your dog chocolate. It's going to be fine. Don't give your dog chocolate. It's basic stuff. <laughs> you can't roller skate in a watermelon patch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, get with it. <laughs> Just but if you're going to be a pet owner, if you're going to get a fucking cursed, uh, a cursed Furby from the Chinese man, read the book. Read the fucking book. Plan ahead. Read the book. That's one of the things they taught us. Yes. I've, I came Always read through, the manual, you know? I came through our childhood, and I, and you're, you, you and I had different childhoods for sure, but, but during the same exact Every period, year we get closer in age. I, I came through that whole period terrified of everything mm-hmm. because, these mo- because I think I saw all these movies a little bit too young or at least emotionally too young. Yeah. I was emotionally a lot younger than I should have been again until I was 29 or 34 maybe. 
is when I caught up. When I was 34, I was chronologically 34 and emotionally, well, no, I wasn't emotionally 30. I'm emotionally 34 about now, I think. Which yeah. is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to explain this to my kid that everybody has these certain ages that they feel they, in, like, in their head, where, like, I kind of feel 19, even though I'm 53. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't feel 19 anymore because I, de- be- well, because I don't Because your knees? The thing is, yeah. There are 19-year-olds who already know what they want to do and are doing it. Oh, they're so, saving the environment and they're, like, buying fewer, uh, fewer plastics. Maybe. But, you know, the ones that are like, I'm a good guitar player already, and this is what I want to do. I want to be a guitar player. Or the ones that are like, I'm in pre-law, and I'm going to be a lawyer. And then they do. I know. They go and be they lawyers. Do they do it. They, they follow through. Or they're like, I already know who I'm going to marry. We've been together since we were 15. Like, those 19-year-olds and me, even now, I'm not that 19. Yeah. I'm some other What's I'm your, some what's other your well, you tell me, what's your internal age? Uh, what's my age again? Is that what you're asking? Well, like, right, like, as you sit here right now, what, how, how old do you feel like you are? Well, let's say if you want to include your body, include your body. It's your body. Yeah. How old yeah, do you feel you. like you are? You feel like what? You're 30, maybe? Uh, if you could, well, I think this is, this is, this do you need is facets? In the Would facets help? No, no, no. I feel like it's in the family of if you could go back and be any age. What would you go back to? Oh, that's a very different question, but an interesting one. Well, but it feels like that is what well, the, the reason I, I connect those questions is that I feel like that. I mean, if you could go back to being 14 and just live it all over Ooh, again, boy. but if you could go back to where you basically feel ready to be that mm-hmm. like I at no point in my life oh, did I feel ready right. to be where I was when I was there. Right when I was like I could be like I could be a like, really Whoa. good I could I could nail being twenty eight right now. Yeah, and I don't even feel like I I could really be a good twenty eight year old, but I feel like I could be a good thirty three year old. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I've got the skills to be thirty three that I didn't have when I was thirty three. Uh, but I do now. You're always fighting the last war, John. You really are. You really are. You are, and, I, and one one is, and you're fighting the uh, the the you know uh, 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 with the with the keloids of outrageous romance. You know what I mean? The uh, slings and arrows. Yep. You're always fighting yep. the the keloid that you got when you were 13. That has not healed. Right. No. You're still you're no, still trying not. to and avoid re-injuring that spot. There are all kinds of people who are who become parents at 33. Right. You and I meet them all the time. Because they are the other parents in our children's lives. All the other moms. Who were, who were parents at 33 instead of parents at 40. And you became a parent at... 40... 40-something? 40, 40-something, 40 right? So, and so did I. <laughs> that's a show I'm not going to watch. 40-something. 40-something. But like, right? I mean, we were about... 41? 41. 41. I, was, I was 41 also. 41. And you were 41. Mm-hmm. And so 41 is very different from 33. Oh, shit, dog. Uh, right? So different. So and, different. And I feel like now at 51, I could be a very good three, 33-year-old parent. Yes. Uh, yeah, right? I totally agree. Yes. Well, if I got uh, to, like, I don't know if the, the genie's going to allow it, but if I'm allowed to take uh, what I've learned, such as it right. is, I feel right. like I could go back and be a very good 33-year-old parent. Yes, 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 yes. Especially, for, especially for one kid. 
Now, as a 28-year-old who was like in the middle of his music career, in one way, I still don't feel like I would be good at that. And being 28, what would I be trying to accomplish? I would just be like – I would be sitting in bars and the girl that was sitting next to me that I said something that made her go like, well, I'm calling it a night. Mm -hmm. Would you be Uh, 28 now? You'd be 28 now? I would be – oh, no. I do not want to be 28 in 2000. You want to be 28 then. If I could be 28 in 1996, uh-huh. I maybe would take a run at it again. Okay. But to be 28 in 2019? No, no thank you. Hard pass. I, hard pass. I don't want to be anything think, in 2019. I mean, it's I nice either. to be extant, be let's be honest. Yeah. If I could be 33 in 2019, if I was a parent, uh-huh. I might... Take a shot at that because I am a parent now and I feel like, okay, I can navigate this. I would just be 33 instead of 51. I think so I could I, handle you know, 30. I could handle bad. 31 if it was 2014, maybe 2012. Yeah, okay. Maybe. I could be 31 2012. What, I'd be, I'd be I married. Be, yeah. Well, then I'd, I'd be, be dealing with her. Wow, this gets complicated fast. It really does. It really does. If I were 31 in 2011. Okay. I could have been, I could have done a better job, I think. Oh, yeah. Than, than being 41 in 2011 or whatever I was. 40, uh, two and a half. I listened to, uh, uh, listen to, Jonathan Goldstein does this really good podcast called Heavyweight uh, that I can highly recommend. Um, and what I learned from that wonderful program after every episode, I find myself going, God damn it, the real lesson of life is I should have stopped being selfish sooner. Yeah. I, I mean, not I, you, I thinking, but like me, but like all these stories no, no, no. end up being like, oh, I can't decide if I should contact this person. But it turns out that that person wanted to be contacted, but they were scared also. And, but then we met and like, it was all oh, going to be okay. And we both admit there are things where we should have contacted each other earlier. And it's like, fuck, man, that's so me. That is so me. I, I, I also feel like I could have been less selfish a lot earlier and I don't like looking back, I look at this I, I, because I can examine events and go, wait a minute. Did you really do that? Mm-hmm. Did you really do those things and say those things in those moments? Because those were not appropriate reactions to that set of conditions. But I cannot inhabit the emotional world I was living in at the time. No, context, context, is, every, context is everything. It's, does, it's not an excuse. It's not even necessarily a reason. But context is everything. And I don't I don't know what I was I mean, I remember and I think we were I don't know whether this happened immediately before you and I started really getting to know each other. No, it didn't. It happened after. Someone when my friend Kristen Cosmos first introduced the idea to me that I was an introvert, mm-hmm. which had never occurred to me and no one had ever said it before. And it became just that simple little kernel. Talk about a thought. Had, te- talk about a thought technology. It was for me one of the original thought technologies because all of a sudden, so much about who I was and what had happened to me snapped into some clarity. Yeah, you get you get and maybe was, eight, you get maybe eight of these in life. Like when my friend in college said, "You are you are your options." Like when when he said that, I still think about that twice a week. That's a thought technology yeah. where I went, "Holy shit! Why didn't somebody tell me this when I was 12? When, and now when with you, Mike Squires, yeah. It was it was that, but when Mike Squire sat across from me and said, "John, I I need you to hear me when I say feelings feelings, feelings are, are real," feelings are and real. I was like, 
I mean, I didn't go blah, 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 right away. No. What I, the first thing it's I said applied. was, you're a dumbass. Yeah, uh, no, I said, like, sh- you know, shut up, dumbass. And he was like, no, listen to me. He got all sincere, mm-hmm. which he doesn't always do. And I was like, why are you getting sincere? Stop it. And he was like, feelings are real. And because it had occurred to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I need to share this with he's, you. He's a, he's a Marine. That's a big deal. He's a Marine. Yeah. It was a really dumb aphorism. But it, but I walked away from that encounter going, feelings are real? Feelings yeah. aren't real? Feelings I, I, I'm aren't the real? Sky, I'm the sky, not the weather. <laughs> Wow. No shit. So No, if it's so, the stupider it sounds, the more likely it is something you should have learned a long time ago. That's how a thought technology works, god damn it. But I feel like nowadays there's not a single 28-year-old that hasn't already long ago like identified which HMTP they are. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no introvert out there, at least in our world, in the podcast listener world, that is in the dark about whether or not they're an introvert. No. But no. for me, it was just like, how could I be an introvert? Look at me. I'm all about, I put on a big show. <laughs> Look introvert? at me. I'm what are you talking about? Look at me. Hey, I'm the asshole. And, 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 hey, hey, everybody. Look at me. And, and Kristen was like, you are a cipher that like that retreats from all human contact and and stares at a spot on the wall for hours at a time, and and can't be can't be touched or loved. And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Watch me play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so nowadays mm-hmm. I'm so many generations of thought technology. That I've built on top of those like feelings are real understandings from 20 years ago mm-hmm. that now it's like, well, what if I knew all – what if I took all that? What if I had this like – I mean so much so that the architecture now includes the possibility that – well, long past the land of like, well – introversion is on a spectrum and so is extroversion and the two things aren't mutually exclusive and you know like just all this kind of well, yeah, nothing no one little thumbnail ever makes sense of everything Mm-mm. and no alone, no no you know, not at all it's a further a further technology right where am i across all of these Spe- I mean, spe- recently, spectra 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 mm-hmm. recently understanding that the women in my life that i've really connected with most of them have borderline personality disorder Woof. on a spectrum on, on a, a spectrum. spectrum that's another spectrum right? they're not they're not the ones who are borderline um, personality that's the one yeah. where you don't want to be abandoned oh it's con- it's a it is a complicated and dark uh i bet that one gets misdiagnosed world. a lot it does and the thing is it's one of these that like psychiatrists are are they they're very um they're very clear, like, well, there's a bipolar one and there's a bipolar two, and they're mm. they're different, and you know, blah 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 blah. But if you say borderline, they all flip way over into this DSM four world where they're like, here's what borderline is, mm-hmm. and there and there is no sort of like lesser borderline. It's all if someone has borderline, then basically, like a mother would pick her teeth with the shin bones of her kid if it suited her. Yeah, and, and the like, name well, part of it is that the name is very misleading. Yeah, the whole thing I don't think is understood. And well, because when you say borderline personality it, disorder, you think that means oh, like you're on the edge, and it's like well, or like you you don't have the thing, or but like it's not that. It's oh, it's God. a whole constellation. It's sort of like a like a, a Chinese super buffet of little problems that that create into like a whole big thing that make you tough to deal with. 
Really tough. And it's uh, it's so so what it what it says here, just like Googling it for a second, is difficulties regulating emotion. They feel emotions intensely and for extended periods, and it is harder to return to a stable baseline after an emotionally triggering event. And so this is the world that I grew up in. This is my mother, this is my sister, and this is all the women that I've ever really loved. And as a manic depressive person, I have never dated a woman who was bipolar, right? I've never dated a woman who was just normal and stable. And it's it's all I'm just I'm I'm compelled by uh, by women who are like oh well my new emotional reality is this and mm. now this is the only reality that ever existed and it's going and this is a this is a state that's going to exist until my until a new emotional reality arrives and just knowing that about myself which is not about it's not a thing that I have mm-hmm. but but that that connection that that compulsion to be in that state. Oh, like a girl who's attracted to bad boys. Right. Like my whole life is defined by being in a state that is defined by someone else's emotional radicalism. And I can't think of a time when I wasn't living in that world, which is a world that I, I seek Mm -hmm. and I, and I continue to seek even now that I am fully grown. And, and you know it. Knowing it doesn't help. Oh, That's the thing does. about a cognitive bias is just because you know it exists doesn't make it go away. No. And I when I can I can meet someone coming to through the ride. Coming through the ride. Go, you seem emotionally you seem emotionally stable. Hmm. Great to meet you. Like yeah. you know, we should get coffee sometime. Mm-hmm. But then I come meet someone coming through the rye mm-hmm. and they are like uh <laughs> Just like, hi, oh my God, this is, you know, like meeting you is amazing. And then three days later, they're like, why are you staring at me? And I'm like, wow, <laughs> you're amazing. You're like, what do I have to do to spend more time with you? Uh, <laughs> let's make this, let's make this dangerous and weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, that works like, for me. And so, so that is a, mm-hmm. that's a strange knowledge to have. Mm-hmm. And, and in particular, when you, because, you know, lately I've been in this uh, sort of new world that you, you and I have spent many years kind of discussing in our different ways, which is like, oh, I'm living in this, uh, like preaching the medicine land where I'm like, I took this medicine and it really helped me. But the problem with borderline is when you talk to, I don't know, the medical professionals, they're like, there's no treatment for it. Ugh. The only thing you can do about borderline is to sit and meditate and think about try and do better. Oh, it's like get, get more is, sleep, because drink water. The, yeah, the people I know that have, that's, that have this condition and suffer from it are tormented by Ugh. it. You know, like it's not just that they sit in in like a depressive state. It's that they go there, that they go from total depression to complete agitation, but not in this, not in this, like not in the bipolar, way. Uh, not in the bipolar way, in a complete, in a in a way where they are triggered and all of a sudden they're, they're completely, their mind is completely transformed by a new reality. And so what what do you say? Like, well, you need to just sit with your feelings and like, think it, you know, it's, it is, it is a really, really difficult thing to live with. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like right in there. So, so what, how would I go back to being 31 or 33 Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, self, there is, I I would avoid women um, who introduce their career as uh, they, they make jewelry. (laughs) 